Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies, the show where we try and talk about movies, but never talk about anything and everything else. I am your host, Michael Breslin. To my left is... Sean Coyle. To my right is... Colin Hare. What's up, everybody? Oh, I feel like shit. Also, I will commend you there, Mickey. Uh, over the past couple weeks, you fucking absolutely nailed the intro now. First few, first few weeks, you kind of struggled and I kind of dreaded it every single week. You <laughs> fucking nailed down now, though. Never it's told just, Ah, well, you know what I mean. Don't want to, you know, don't want to rock your relations the rest of the podcast. But you have a like, second nature, you know, a true pro. I'm definitely fucking up next week. <laughs> <laughs> or fucking up at the end. Um, <laughs> quick thing from last week that I wanted to bring up. We had the whole discussion about the Suicide Squad trailer. And we were theorizing because we are in that kind of mood. And, uh, yes. <laughs> and, uh, no, but I you you said the whole thing. You think it's Hardy Quinn at the end, uh, the Joker's torture, and I, I said co- it, maybe it could be Robin. Was or I completely wrong? No, you're completely right. Oh, baby! <laughs> no, because uh, I I, I, wa- I watched I'm too big for this shit now. <laughs> no, I, I watched the trailer like super slow down, and before you actually see the Joker, you see like the Joker's goons kind of coming in and like tying down uh, Doctor Quinzel, oh, like before she's fuck. Hardy Quinn. Like, so you don't you don't actually see the Joker doing it there at the very end, but it's basically spelled out that it is her. Sean Coyle, Danger Ball. Uh, I, I just follow listeners as well. It's my uh, second week in a row doing Danger Ball because I'm uh, also on the podcast with two cheap bastards. You know what I mean? <laughs> nah, I'm only joking. This week, it's not in the JD Sports bag. It's in a, just a Tesco value bag. Mm-hmm. Now, one moment. As I rustle out, the Danger Ball this week is... Blue Nun. <laughs> Blue, Blue Nun. <laughs> I see. I've heard a stack of people go all about Blue Nun. I'm fucking. <laughs> no, we here not honestly. Like, Who's the stacks of people? Just like I, just from Ellen Park. That's exactly. <laughs> that. <laughs> that's the only time I've heard Blue Nun. I'm a fucking gigantic Alan Partridge fan. He's always talking about Blue Nun, and I've never actually seen it sold in Tesco. But I was fucking scouring Tesco today for a bottle of poison, and I spied it. Boys, I I kind of I broke the, the the well the rules, the ancient rules of combat that is Danger Bottle. Blue Nun was a fiver, like. <laughs> I went that pound over. Well, no, no, well, no it's not it's a fiver. Fi- it's not fiver. It's four pound. It's kind of like made my job so much more difficult. Today. <laughs> I was actually, I was dreading coming up and telling you boys I spent an extra uh, pound. <laughs> well, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of like it's kind of yeah. like your eight o'clocks are half eight and your fivers are four pound. Do you know what? As well, when I was down in Tesco today, I I hate the way we keep saying, "Oh, we're not supported by Tesco." We bring it up every week. It's just a hand. It's like a supermarket around the corner from this house. But uh, went to the day. I had Quirky Bird in the trolley. Mind the one I was talking about last oh, week. Yeah. See, I had a choice last week between Wrecka Valley and Quirky Bird. By the way, <laughs> uh, after a week of after the dust settling on Wrecka Valley, never 
ever by Regavali. It was fucking awful. It is just basically. The volleys were fucked. <laughs> it scorched our volleys. Like, <laughs> it's to say, all those volleys can grow is fucking salt. That seems it. Well, there's, there's no hills. It's just flat now. <laughs> but Blue Nun. Okay, so yeah, obviously. It has to be done now, Partridge Boys. <laughs> oh, no, I'm I can't believe that. Blue, blue Nun. That's. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 2014 original, apparently. So it's been out in the world for a year, yeah. like. Uh, she's, a, she's a baby. Our winemaker has combined specially selected grapes to ensure a beautifully finished wine suitable for any occasion. It has a perfect balanced softness and depth of fresh fruit, fruit flavours. This classic white wine comes... White? <laughs> ah. I like white wine. Let me do my reading now. I like okay. white. This classic white wine comes with the reassurance of our Sichel Superior vinification method. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Uh, it's 10%. <laughs> but apparently, I don't know, apparently it's just like kind of fucking yeah. winey, lemony, but uh, we'll give it a go. Is it not Why just not, straight uh, up wine? What's uh, the percent on it? I'm not going uh, to chill that bad boy, no? It is pretty chilled out of my fridge all night. Ah. Mm. It's not bad. It kind of tastes like Lambrini or something. It's just which is like Which isn't a good thing. I Standard white wine. Just like Gallo Lambrini. It's not bad. The pub this way. That's quite nice. <laughs> we bought, uh, <laughs> obviously... I'm cheap white wine kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> we, we got Regavalli last week, and that was absolute fucking poison. And we all took one sup at each, and it went completely to waste. That there will be polished, no Ooh, sweat. Oh, I could just finish that That's nice, right isn't now. it? It is good. It was easy, because I think... Out of the three of us, Heron would be the most Sunday's wide. He'll probably just spit this out. <laughs> <laughs> Pigs will. <laughs> 10%, never a good start. Uh, no, just... I know. 10% does bad. <laughs> I, know, I know. They always say try and get over 12, but in fairness, Rick, if I was 12, I think I'll pop me off. I want something lighter after last week's debacle. Jeez, you could fucking drink that all day. No sweat, Andy. You could fucking get there like a tie. Who's down like water? Pass it back. <laughs> <laughs> And this is where it's staying all night. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, what, what have we watched this week? Uh, watched the good part this week. Right, now, I've been kind of like fearing bringing this up all week because I think I, I don't think that, I don't have any sort of rep- reputation whatsoever, but I think that what I'm going to say could possibly just ruin my reputation and, and, and ruin everything that I've ever Shite. said about films. Uh, I watched Spring Breakers this week for the first time ever. That's fucking oh. brilliant. I think it's a fucking money masterpiece. Oh, it's I think it's I, I unbelievable. really liked it. I, 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 wa- You're I was in the right company. <laughs> good stuff. No, I can't shape myself. I was, was really dreamed in this podcast. It was by pure accident. I could flicked over, but it's it's very it's just one of the best things about it. It's very fucking aware of itself. Big time. It's mm. no, I'm not saying that it's an unbelievably good. I mean, like, it's a great film. It is very, very flawed. The one major flaw that I don't like is that it's trying to like empower women and show women as like you know uh, being dominant and, 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 and kind of fighting for themselves and fighting their own corner it does that well to a certain extent but then when it juxtaposes it with these like really gratuitous images of just naked women yeah. I know they're trying to make a comment on this is how we you know usually it's look at women but walk on the tightrope a wee bit uh, it's walk, but it's walking the tightrope saying oh this is how we usually look at women but then when there's so many of those images that sort of message kind of loses its appeal and it then just becomes one of those films that makes you look at women that way. Uh, so it's, it's, It is a bit too much. That's, that's the thing I, I just would yeah. kick out of the film. I think it lost its way a wee bit. I think it's, yeah. do you know, I think it, it there's just it, a lot of it, sorry yeah. to interrupt, but there is just a lot of those shots of just, mm. it's just but gratuitous. I mean, it just ruins it. It's, it's like trying to be ballsy by having so many of those images to kind of make you think, oh, well, this is how women are represented in society. But then by doing it, it just kind of re- reaffirms well, that sort of notion. Like. I mean, the, the film is a sort of a, I want, it's a thing um, that every time you see uh, these images throughout the film, I think it's, you know, 
everything you see a typical image that w- would be like you know a cutaway in a Michael Bay film or something mm-hmm. of a gear walking on a beach in a, a bikini you're kind of brought back to the point the fact that you all the gears are dressed like that the main characters are dressed like that and they're completely not you know the way they would pr- be portrayed in a Michael Bay yeah. film so that's always in the back of your mind so every time you see those cutaways you think but maybe they're fucking mad in another yeah. way or you know that's I think that's sort of the point but I, th- I think there's a bit too many babes I in the cutaways I, like, I, yeah, I <laughs> too many babes on toward the water in the cutaways like. enough, I seen a, just you talking about Michael Mann I seen a cracking review it was Michael actually Bay's like right. a, no. actually, I, well, it was even Michael Mann it was this about Michael oh, Mann no, because sorry. obviously it's around the sort of Miami Vice thing and stuff like that but yeah. a really negative review of Spring Breakers even though it actually done really well critically Mm-hmm. Uh, although audiences just didn't get what the fuck it was about because it's trying to mash so many genres. One critic said that it was uh, it's if uh, someone or if a director tried to be Michael Mann but then tried to do a fucking Girls Gone Wild video. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's, just, it's a perfect mash of the both of them. Like, but it's, uh, what it is is that you were saying about it being gratuitous and being over the top. They try and ram home the fact that you know this is how you, you know these women usually are presented, you know, bikini clad and stuff like that, and they're kind of looked down on. And I do get that, but then I think sometimes. It's over the top and this kind of blows back in its fist. Like, and this is a spoiler for Spring Breaker, so if you haven't seen it, apologies. But at the end in the shootout, when two essentially 18 or 19 year old girls who've never shot a gun in their life mow down about 15 fully armed to the fucking teeth men, like, you know what I mean? With ease as well. You know what I mean? It's like, it, yeah, just, seems just, so, it. it just seems so nonchalant. Like, they're not even worried. They don't even try and duck for cover once. <laughs> they just their own guns a fucking Kimbo With going ease? crazy. What? Are they on ease? At the end? Last... I haven't seen it before. Ease? Ease? Is that what you said? No. With no, with ease oh. as in easy. Like <laughs> I think we're like, oh, they're having a bag of ease, and they went down and fucking shot these fucking fucking boys. <laughs> so I couldn't have done that. So I had that fucking bag of ease. <laughs> Hannah said fucking easy. I thought he was having a fucking relapse or something. He was all easy all about easy. I thought because it's been so long since I've seen it. I thought they went like... <laughs> it's been so long since I've talked ease. No, but it's like fucking... Who calls them ease, really? I know, we don't call them ease. No, but that's why I'm so... That's why I'm so... With ease, what the fuck are you talking about? That's why I'm so... Just sitting on a boat, taking a bangers, shout out, shoot a couple of boys. My mind went mad, and I thought that they do like a kind of the beach moment on a one or something. They just went mad, but no, they didn't. Well, they, they, they could have done just it was cut out. Like. But anyway, what did you watch this week, Colin? I watched uh, Wumps. Ah, oh, did you see well, it before? I, re- I rewatched Wumps. You rewatched Wumps, okay? Aye. And uh, it's uh, I think it's uh, a wee favourite of uh, Miguel Corleone's here. Is it? <laughs> I, I, I love Wumps. When, <laughs> when I first seen I love one so much I call it twice <laughs> <laughs> no, when when I first seen once I can't even name when I first seen it but uh, I I got it on the iPod then and it was it was an iPod video back in them days so it was a wee square screen like it was tiny on the thing back in the stone I, ages I, I just watched that film every day on my iPod you just watched that way a magnifying glass like Sherlock Holmes did <laughs> examine, examine it did. I, I, I must have watched that film about 50 times in that iPod like. yeah. you're saying like watching films on iPod that's a very quick point but uh, Dan who's a listener and a friend of ours he won't mind me saying this Dan used to walk to work you know the way like most people will listen to music or podcasts or something like that oh, yeah, Dan, I can see him doing this Dan used to 
play episodes of The Sopranos and not watch them on the way they work because he was walking to work. He would just listen to the dialogue <laughs> of The Sopranos. I know, because he said it that way. Too. He was like, he just listened to the audio tracks. <laughs> he would just listen to the audio tracks. Because he was just like, that's mad. That's fucking crazy. Like, put on a fucking song. I because he has the whole box set. He ripped all the audio. <laughs> 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 but that's brilliant. You have, to, uh, you have to admire the man's effort. Uh, that's what I'm saying. It's pure effort. Like, going to catch up on something. Like, I, fuck, I, know, I know he's in the scene. It doesn't matter. Hey, might see miss an episode and you just, you just had the audio of it. <laughs> <laughs> if you want, want to catch up on song, he's seen the Sopranos three and three about twenty times. <laughs> uh, no, I know, I know that's, that's why it doesn't matter anymore, then. But uh, uh, back they once. Oh, what you pointing at me? Was uh, dog, was oh, fuck! <laughs> it, it's just you were you were taking over there because one of your favorites. Back they once, Aaron. <laughs> it's just, I mean, uh, I, I think it's a really perfect example of uh, content over style, really, because it's. It's a film that's shot on a very small budget, and it's it's you know back to the ethic of like say Robert Rodriguez when he made like El Mariachi, he says yeah. you know write a script there and what you have, you know, and he said he, he wrote around you know he had a, a moped, uh, a guitar case, and, and a, a turtle, and a turtle <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> and he says on a small town or whatever, and he he just sort of wrote a story around that, and uh, I think he purchased the Uzi after I don't know, uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking that. But uh, <laughs> it's this guy, I mean, John Kearney's from Dublin and this kind of stuff and all, and uh, he's Irish. Yes. yes. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and, uh, it's just about, it's just such a great story pulled out of, uh, if, if anybody hasn't seen it, it's about a, a busker who busks on Grafton Street in Dublin. And if you've ever been to Dublin, uh, you walk up there, it's very accurate. You walk up and you'll, <coughs> you'll pass more than likely about five or six buskers. Mm. And uh, it just so happens that the busker in this film is Glenn Hansard of uh, The Frames. Yeah. <laughs> the frame stream. And um Buddy Clot uh he's just playing a, a tune at the start by himself on the street and uh he, he gets talking to this uh here from the Czech Republic who mm-hmm. uh who likes his music and who he sells roses and I think uh, through a series of conversations, uh It's like a your mutual love of music they kinda strike a uh, bond there. Pretty much and then uh uh, she, she has a broken Hoover, and uh, by co- <laughs> by coincidence, his father fixes Hoovers, <laughs> and so uh, this oh, becomes a thing. And it's just a uh, Hoover fixer sucker guy. <laughs> Fuck her, she's gone. Fuck her, she's gone. Fuck her, she's gone. But uh, uh, it's uh, cool it just goes from there, and it's just such a brilliant film because it's, I mean. In lots of ways, I mean, you could say you know shooting ways and stuff. I mean, it, it you could have threw so much equipment at it. You could have thrown tracks, yeah, frames, the, the all that kind of stuff. Absolutely no budget. No, I mean, no, no, but I'm, I'm using this as a strength of the film. There's, there's a strange thing. We just quickly uh, caught on that uh, John Kearney, who obviously was the director once. They had such a small budget that they didn't even have the filming permits for Dublin. Uh, or certain parts of it, so they did actually have to like film under arm and like gorilla film like in the sense. I don't know properly. Like yet. I mean, when Glenn Hazard was busking and stuff, they were they were doing that kind of stuff because they were shooting outside like like HMV and this mm. kind of stuff. But then I think actually the law changed a wee bit uh, because of once. Mm? Um, it's that you can so long as you're not criticizing a product or so long as you're not criticizing a shop, you can shoot outside it. If it's just a part of your background, you can shoot outside it as so long as you're not criticizing it. So if Glenn said like you know. Halfway through the scene, I fuck HMV and threw a guitar for their one day. <laughs> <laughs> and it'd probably come up a problem then, like, but, uh, That would definitely be a legal issue. Uh, like yeah, I know, I definitely don't lie. The suits are bark up, like. But, uh, no, it's a perfect, you know, it is that thing. And, you know, I'm on all these different forums and all online about filmmaking and all. And it's just, there's just this long, long, long conversation about equipment. 
and then it was just so refreshing. Some guys just like, come on, just go fucking make a film. Stop talking about your Aye. lenses and your cameras and your whatever, and I'll just make a film, you know. And it's it's pure boots on the ground. It's exactly what that film is, yep. you know. And yeah. they just, you know, like there's lots of friends. There's like there's, there's one scene in particular where there's like a, a dinner scene where they all sit around the table, and you know, it's I mean, it's a typical Irish thing, you know. I mean, it, perhaps a wee bit stereotypical that you go to these parties and. You're not allowed to enjoy, come to the party if you can't sing, or you're not allowed to come to the party if you don't want to sing at all. And they all sit around and have a bit, a bit of food and all, and they play some songs together, and they play a bit of trad music, and they play, you know, uh, folk and stuff like and that. Like, uh, the slightly older, older lady sings like an Irish ballad and all this yeah. kind of stuff and all. And it's just, it's just stuff that just we just have there in our culture. Mm. You, you'll know somebody that's that's there, or you'll know like somebody's auntie that does that at parties and just get them all in. And it's just, I mean, it, it's like an old phrase. It's you know. Uh, what necessity is the master of invention and it's it's yeah. a perfect thing to describe once and not only just to get the film made i mean you've got a yeah you've got a really beautiful performance from glenn hansard who's not a professional yeah. actor and he always uh, stresses the fact that even i think when he went to do the commitments i think uh director of the commitments again alan clark i think alan clark directed uh, the uh, commitments uh glenn hansard always had this anecdote that when he was kind of cast there because he just broke through you know fame ways with, uh, with the frames uh, uh Alan Clark used to tell him to do stuff and basically he used to make this joke that Alan Clark would say just you know don't walk into things on the set you're going like I mean you're basically like a background <laughs> character but I think I was just him being very malice because is it Alan Clark or Alan Parker? Alan Parker sorry it's it Parker. is Alan Parker yeah it's Alan Parker who directed the commitments you're is exactly Alan Parker right. Irish or English? no he's English an English director but uh in, you, you could fool anybody for being like a fucking Oscar caliber actor in that film. I think it's, it's just yeah. truth like I mean it's something like anytime we've ever fucking worked with actors and stuff I mean I think and I, I, I mean, I'm not talking about myself as a, a filmmaker and all, but we've, we've had discussions about this before. Like, I mean, I think the one thing that makes a good actor is if they're genuine compassion as a person mm. and if they're not afraid to make a fool of themselves. Yep. And I, th- I think Glenn Hunter kind of gets that across. I mean, he's, he's a perf- natural performer anyway, I suppose. He seems like an everyman. He seems like a and very self-deprecate man who's just up for a laugh. And his heart's misled as well, yep. you know, and it's just... It just lands so well to the character. I mean, there's there's so many kind of scenes where you, you just feel so bad for him. Like there's that scene at the start where he says, "Do you want to stay in this kind of stuff?" Yeah. And then, and then I mean, even when he catches up with her later, he just you know he says, oh, "I'm just a bit lonely," and this kind of stuff and all. And there's there's so many just bittersweet, beautiful moments in mm. that film, and at being handheld and shooting in fairly fairly urban parts of Dublin as well. Yeah. Parts of Dublin you wouldn't see on the phone. You know, it's not showing you the Luffy, it's not showing you fucking St. Stephen's Green or not like that. It's showing you like Dublin, fucking like council estates, you know, swords and shit like that. Proper fucking Dublin. But, <laughs> but, uh, well, the, the bit always stands out for me for once is just... Is it the, uh, when she's at the shop? No? Uh, when, she, when she comes out of the shop and uh, then you, you, you have the kids actually just staring at the camera uh, and kind of joking. Brilliant, you don't give a fuck. I like it like because... I know, it's cool. I think the reason I like it so much too is because it's almost like a semi-documentary and I think that speaks a while out of why Glenn Hunts are so good in it because he's basically just playing a version of himself. This boss so who loves music. Is he still fucking boss? <laughs> 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 you know, he still does it this day. Like. <laughs> what did you watch this week, Michael? <laughs> I watched lots of films this week. Uh, I actually actually have a list. Because oh, <laughs> 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 I knew I wasn't going to remember them all but then no, I'll, I'll blast you through a few and then the, I'll get to the one I want to talk about long. Why did I fucking play that? Um... Uh, suck it on the ice cream. Oh. Just chill it a wee bit. In the cola. In the cola. No, yeah, so... <laughs> Get to the cola, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Uh, so, uh, la- last Sunday, uh, me and Jill, we took our dog to 
a thing called Pooches in the Park last Sunday, where it's just people show up with a bunch of dogs. And you, we, Please don't tell me they were showing Beethoven or something. No, no. I love dogs around. There was a few Beethovens there, though. It was fucking sweet. Yeah. But, uh, no, I, it was it was just a wee day where your dog, you know, there was competitions and stuff, like fastest sausage eater and all that. <laughs> Mikey won. <laughs> Sex dogs going out. I broke my back. <laughs> but no, it was it was a, it was a really good day, and like I I really enjoyed like oh, completely too much enjoyed the day of pitches in the park. It was, it was I just like I was I, like we were going home, and I just I was, I was you just, really you just not like just... the enjoy things. Like, you know, know. You know, of an afternoon, I just don't like the enjoy. So, you know, you know. I was fucking raging as well because you text me. I was running the corner from my house on St Collins Park. I got fucking two dogs. No, it was a last minute thing we were going to, and then anyway, but anyway, so we 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 came home and all in. We were making dinner and stuff. I saw no, it was, it was a really good days. Like no sausage for Joel dinner. I'm fucking stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was it was just on a bit different. And I was like, it was it was a really good day. Like what would round off his day perfectly? I was like, I know, I'll watch Speed. Fucking round off. So I <laughs> 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 so watch Speed. Speed's fucking sweet. And it's like just just the very opening of like it's it's going down the elevator shaft and all. That's and, fucking unreal. And just just the music kicked in. And it's like I didn't even remember that I remembered that music, but as soon as it kicked in, it's like dun, 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 dun. it's like fuck, it's the speed music. Can't remember this fucking brilliant on it. Like that's the first time you probably that's the first time you've seen him as a fucking action guy. Yeah. He's actually pretty big in it as He's well. Like fucking built yeah, like, like, like no, well, I mean, no, Point Break was before fucking Speed. No, I can't say after no, Point Break. It's like ninety one. It's like ninety four. I have no idea. I know it doesn't matter. That's anyway, anyway, one day kind of blast series. I watched Jack Reacher. It was all right. I, I was, oh, don't speak all of Jack Reacher right now. I know, I know. But uh, no, I actually really enjoyed the character of Jack Reacher. I, th- mm. I thought I was really impressed that Did it you was. Did you notice that he wasn't six foot two? <laughs> <laughs> no, but nah, I was. I was. That's a son. That's a son. I was really. Uh. I was, <laughs> That's a sand Tom Cruise is just I, small. That's a sand. Take a no. Uh, no, they wear a laugh. Oh, that's a sand. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I was I was really impressed that it wasn't just like another Tom Cruise action movie. Like it, like there wasn't a character of Jack Reacher and like uh, Tom Cruise was was really good in the role. I felt, but yeah. I just, I just wasn't mad about the story. But I would be interested in seeing another Jack Reacher film for that character, and maybe I th- just I think you know you know what things like this because are they doing you know, the franchise? Because that was started as when I, I don't I don't know it if just kind of broke even, didn't it? No, no I, I, I think it actually. I think there was a projected thing. I think they wanted it to do like 130, and it did like 85 or something. But no kind of strapped down crime fellas ever going to make I mean, 130, even with Tom Cruise. Like, but I mean, I, it's kind of it's a pretty much in the vein of a, a procedural cop drama. I I really like Jack Reacher. Like it, it's and Christopher McQuarrie. That's that's only the second film he's done. Yeah. And uh, well, he's doing Mission Impossible Five now too. Know. But uh, he did The Way of the Gun as well. Never seen that. He, I actually think he's one of the best. I I think it's very hard to find a good action director. I think he's one of the best. I think he's up there with John McTiernan I think he's because I think John McTiernan's the best like big words but mm, uh, he's indeed. very good I mean he, he uses practical effects and yeah. working with the best fucking man for practical effects in the business Tom Cruise you know what I mean yeah. and there was one thing that I particularly liked is that car chase because uh, they're using like a 19, 1978 Chevy Chevelle SS you know what I'm saying uh-huh. but, uh, no, but I, I just fucking love is that that red one? <laughs> 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 that fucking red one looks like a fucking snooker ball <laughs> 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 No, but I actually love that car. It's yeah, one of my favorite cars ever. But um, 
they were chasing a, a fucking like a America S class or something. Okay, we know you don't care. No, no, no. But, but I'm saying like actually, you know what, what films tend to do with this here is that they put like a, a modern chassis on it and put the old body yeah. on it so that the the old car can corner the same way that the new car does. Ah, you know, so right. so this new car was fucking pure getting away from it, no bother. And so this SS, it's a rear powered car, so it just naturally would just spun out. Most films wouldn't show you that, but the whole way through this car chase, you see Jack Reacher just fucking fighting this car. Yeah. yeah. And so it just spuns out all the time, and you're just all fucking hell, no foam, really. And, and like, there's parts where he's trying to catch up in the back, just keeps kicking out, and he keeps Aye. slamming on the other cars, you just can't keep the car so together. So it's a lot more realistic? It's far more realistic, because, I mean, that, that, those kinds of cars, those rear wheel power cars, are meant for, like, straight line racing. They're not really meant for cornering. And yeah. just they see that in film, I was like, that's fucking really good. That's really good action. Like, it just adds more to that scene, like. No, yeah, no, another film watched this week is starring Paul Rudd. Oh, it's a small film, but it is. Is it a t- tiny film? It begins with an A. There's admission with Tina Fey and Paul Rudd. Because <laughs> you, uh, you, <laughs> you, oh, you almost had me sucked in because you did go see Ant Man this week, did you? I admission. Admission. It's, it's 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 the most May May film of May. So I think, I think, you say May is May? May. What are you saying, May there, right? I don't know. It's a bad film. Don't watch <laughs> it, right? Aye. I also seen Ant Man this week. You should go see that because it's fucking awesome. <laughs> can I give you a, a, a time to watch admissions? Never. <laughs> <laughs> All enough. Film times of Calm Heron has not been done in a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? We're missing the truck here. We, we get that going. Uh, all these side features are dying out. Don't fax. That fell fucking facts. Don't facts fell on, facts. Facts. Don't facts yeah. on until after a fucking week. No, you. T- film times are calm here, and that lasted about two weeks. We'll do a film time. I was just waiting for the night. opportunity to present itself. Like. <laughs> I know you don't. You, you don't want to force it. Don't though. want to be contrived, like I. But I know, yeah. And and man's, it's really, really good. It's a lot smaller film. Mm. You, you you really can't get away from that with this film. Yeah. But, uh, but no, it, it is oh, like. Small, oh, it's nice to be small, American film. <laughs> <laughs> no, nice to be it, small, two hundred million pounds. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but it it isn't like. Uh, it's the end of the world kind of like like it is just they're basically just fighting over this technology that makes people small and uh <laughs> paul, paul paul rudd's really good on it and mike michael douglas is class in it tom cruise was nice this oh that willie just shrank right up <laughs> tom cruise get a wild touch on it <laughs> But uh, Michael Douglas is class, and he plays Hank Pym, who's he's like the original Ant Man, and he's teaching Paul Rudd's Scott Lang to be the new Ant Man. And uh, Hank Pym in the comics, like he he has he has like a really dark side to him. Like I think he becomes like an alcoholic, and, like beats his wife and shit like that. Like they they don't go that dark with. But Michael Douglas, the way he plays him, like you can tell there is a darkness the the character like he has yeah, anger kind of behind him. you pronounce the darkness part Michael Douglas class and Evangeline Lilly is fucking badass in it as well I, I'm really starting to really like her really? like as, as Evangeline Lilly like Lost and right, Hobbit and stuff I completely forgot because she was was the next I loved thing her after in the Lost. Hobbit as well yeah. See, I never watched Lost. Near light, but I mean, like after Lost, she was supposed to be the, the next big thing, and then she kind of vanished for a few years. But now she's come back, and, a bit yeah, and she's I'd, still super young. She's like thirty-five or so. I'm really starting to like her as an actress. She's fucking class in this. I really liked her in the Hobbit films as well, and I just kind of want to see more from her now. I thought you were going to say want to see more of her, and I was like, oh, does she make you feel funny, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> Do we need a cushion? <laughs> a cushion for Michael, please. But last last thing on Upman is uh, 
I'm not the last thing, but anyway. Uh, Michael Peña as well is so fucking funny in this film. I've I seen a couple of clips. Somebody looks fucking hilarious. Huh? He's so fu- he's he's the funniest person in the film. I it's just, just he, he has just this like garmless smile on him the I, entire I, time. I, I, so I funny. think he's maybe top three young character actors that is going about he's like, the unreal. fucking he's so good. So good versatility and the amount of different roles that he's done in a space of about eight or nine years from Crash the End of Watch they fucking has been part and he's bound and down they fucking gone in 60 seconds they gone in 60 <laughs> seconds <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's fucking disgusting man he's been gone in 60 seconds remember uh, uh, when they have to steal the three mercs are you thinking of these man no no Michael Peña? Because he's not in fucking noises. Gone in 60 seconds but when they stole the three the three keys off of Mercedes, right? And then the dog eats them. And then oh, they think the dog likes him. him. And then he he's pulls up on young. it. He pulls up the low rider. That's Michael Peña. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Oh man, that's fucking disgusting. Get your jollies up. Going through dog, dude. Oh, he's like, fuck get the jollies up. Going through dog shit, man. He's <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Michael Peña, so new favourite of the month for us. <laughs> Michael Peña's first. We've moved on from Stanley Tucci. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Tucci and Peña on a fucking show. Lethal. <laughs> Oscars everywhere. <laughs> Give them two each. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I was going to say, uh, Corey Stoll as well, he, he plays Yellow Jacket on it, like the villain. And he, he does his best like with the with the character, but just the villain isn't that well kind of fleshed out. It's it's a kind of common thing with Marvel films, just their villains never really seem to have any purpose. Apart from yeah, Loki, like just, everybody just loves Loki, but be bad. Yeah, just be yeah, bad, basically. And, and be oh, honest, you're so bad. Well, no. they, they do. All right, no, I'm with you. They, they, <laughs> you're, you're, just, oh, you're just bad. They, they, right, they no, do try and explain it, but it the way they try and explain it, it, it doesn't make sense through his whole what he does throughout the whole film, and right. it just doesn't yeah. make sense. I think that's a difference with like DC, whereas uh, the Joker is obviously seen as the greatest comic book villain, maybe Two one of the greatest villains like of, of all time, or even the likes of Two Fist. Those characters actually bring out someone and compliment Batman in a way, whereas I think that a lot of Marvel villains, Aye. the likes of Doc Ock and stuff, don't really have any sort of connection to Spider-Man. Well, they no, are literally just there. They fuck up their life. Like, you know, well, like, no, Spider-Man is a, is a great rogues gallery. It's just, it's it's the Marvel Studios films, the, the actual films. Even you were saying about made. Loki there. Now, look, I think Loki was just a bit of a happy accent because Loki in the comics is essentially a kind of bad part player. I think it's just because Tom Hiddleston ate the fucking shit out of that role and was <laughs> so good. Like, you know what I mean? But it, it kind of goes back to what you were saying with the Batman films. Well, because Loki and Thor are brothers, like they do, they are a kind of reflection of each yeah. other. And, they're both well. Loki just wants the the praise of his father, and he's, yeah. he is conflicted, and that's why he he's a kind of fully rounded character. And he's, Odin uh, all father, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> too, because I was just thinking about I was just thinking about the other Marvel films and all, and then just Iron Man two came into me, Anger. made vision in my brain. A train wreck. They just went from one to three. Yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, it's disappointing because was two not like a train next time? Like all just test footage or something? I think I, I, think I saw a trailer and it's moved on to three now. But uh, it actually fucking it's such a shame. Mickey Rourke, as he says this in many interviews, he says the amount I fleshed out that character, and he says they, they he says they cut out all the good bits of him, all all the parts I thought actually made that character a fucking character, as opposed to just a bad guy. They said they were just cut out. Exactly. Done. And the thing with that, it's it is a Mickey Rourke character's whiplash on there. Ah, it's called Whiplash. It's a mixture of two characters, but it mainly Whiplash. The scene, obviously, it's like at the NASCAR race or something like that, where yeah, Tony Stark is actually racing his NASCAR. Slices the and he walks to. up and he slices the character. I thought that was fucking sweet. And that's it like was. about half an hour, 40 minutes on the phone. And I thought, fuck, we're all this on here. And then after that, that was like his only one shiny moment. He just basically becomes like a patsy, Sam Rockwell's character. And yeah. he loses all his kind of like 
threat. You know what I mean? He's like a, he comes off in as a kind of nobody. Uh. When you consider that in the, the first one, because certainly if you're in a comic book film or any sort of film where you go from one villain to the next, you have to make the next villain bigger and more threatening. And like in the first film, Jeff Bridges' character with his fucking huge suit because he's got all the power and wealth to fund these things is really, really threatening. Mm. And then Whiplash, I fair enough, he's a bloody a hard bastard. He's got these fucking whoops and all that there. But he doesn't actually... But <laughs> you know what I mean? He's got a whip slash him. He's got a whip slash But he doesn't actually seem like he could, he could, he could actually... Never once do you actually ever believe that he can pick out Iron Man. Like, <laughs> just why we're on whips, I have to tell you a story. Knock our cord off here, Mickey. This podcast going down no, different avenue. It's, st- it's still technically film related, right? <laughs> Let's talk more movies <laughs> after dark. <laughs> it, it doesn't count as film related, just if you videoed it. Uh, well, well, it's a well, large. It's, like it's, it's a large canon. Ever. Large canon. Uh, oh baby, <laughs> no, it was. Uh, I remember when I was younger, massive Indiana Jones fans. Who isn't? And then, uh, so like for me, like uh, one of my birthdays, <laughs> so I was trying to get all the fucking Indiana Jones gear. And so my dad, what do you want for your birthday? So go get us a whoop. Why did you? I was like fucking eight or something. Like, my dad was, my dad was fucking a front of me. <laughs> Remember at shop, there was a shop for town jingles and sold DVDs and CDs and all. But this no whoops, no, no. Actually, in this wee part of the fucking shop, there was like it was like the first sign of sex shops in this town. And there was all I see one up in the shop up a town, just go and get that. There's all no, you're not kidding. There's all no, no, I know where it is. I know where it is. I know I can go get it, but but you're not fucking kidding. Oh. <laughs> That's top Martin Manholder. <laughs> right. oh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> we'll move on to news. Oh, maybe. Fuck, we're only on news. Uh, Jesus Christ. Long old slog tonight, boys. <laughs> uh, we don't have much news. Okay. We'll move on to news. Uh, first thing, there's a new Spectre trailer. Yeah. Eh. What, do, uh, what do we think? What do we think? I'll let you're the James Bond fan, so I'll let you dig in first. It looks apart. I would have preferred it if they just kept the first trailer and just not not, not release this one. Um, I mean, it's cool and shows off the locations a bit and all, but I think some of the dialogue, you know, like the sorry if you haven't seen it, but uh, there's a line from Christoph Waltz where he says, "I'm the author of your pain." I thought that was pish. Even watching, I thought that is just I hope it's not just this fucking stupid kingpin of just since Vespa this big kingpin story I hope a while lot of people I hope there's something more to that I hope, I hope it's not just I mean there's this mystery about why in the trailer why Bond connects all these people mm. so there's obviously more to that but I don't know I mean there's still a mystery around it but it just felt like uh, the trailer kind of it kind of kind of blew its wide and showed the hand a wee yeah, bit too much I think it I showed a wee bit too much is exactly right it showed a wide lot of the film and don't get me wrong I mean if you're going I'm to sure Bond, it's going to be good like aye, if you're going to Bond for the action then Jesus it looks like you know, really yeah. thrilling really action packed and it seems like there's so much going on yeah. Sam Mendes as well for, for me has never really made a bad film unbelievably yeah. accomplished director really really good director but uh, you're right with the, with the Christoph Waltz thing. It's like a while a lot of people think he's going to be the new Blowfield, but certainly that's what... It's not. Uh, no, but I mean, like, but certainly mm. that is what James Bond's franchise is trying to get away from. They're trying to... Because 
back we Casino Royale, they deconstructed Bond. They brought Bond in the twenty mm. first century, made it more like the Bourne series and stuff like that. More gun and run, more right. kind of visceral, um, obviously more kind of natural and, and not as fucking cheesy and tacky as, as the as the older Bonds. And what's what's weird is that it was just really jarring to see it. Even on the trailer, it was just really jarring to see a character mm. like Crystal Bolts because it was kind of throwback to those, Aye. you know, that the classically really rich foreign kind of overly Aye. peppered dialogue fucking villains Aye. that you get and I especially but like that line you were saying like I'm the author don't, we don't know where that was delivered though you don't see him say it so we don't know where that's delivered but I don't delivered. think there's any context that line could sound good like you know but, I mean <clears throat> one thing that Daniel Craig has done with the Bond quips is, is that he's he, he hasn't made them the way like say for example the worst version is probably Roger Moore when he says when he I think he drops about out of a window on top of a piano and he says play it again Sam or mm-hmm. something like this there's a keys or something and, uh, I, <laughs> 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 it's a better one fuck it out clubs, hey? but, uh, fucking, fucking <laughs> there's always been a motive with Daniel Craig ones you know and it's uh, you know like even even in Quantum of Solace which everybody hates it doesn't matter he's still fucking doing very well in the film it's, it's uh, when he gets pulled over by the police and he comes out of the car and they're like uh, open up the boot and he's all now why would you want me to do that you know yeah. and there's this sort of there's always motive to it and then there's a couple of clips in this one where he's talking to Ray Fiennes at the very start yeah. uh, of the trailer and uh, he says oh, take an extended vacation or something which is just Bond's attitude which actually leads me to think that maybe if they continue in that line of, of thinking maybe Bond might he might just have this whole thing that he's had all along, you know, where there's, he has a serious path that he's constantly been hiding, which he constantly just defends by these quips, the, the people that he likes and people he's friends with, and that adds more to Bond being cold, which, yeah. which is originally how you and Fleming wrote him, which, which was cold and chauvinistic, and, you know, he's an alcoholic. But a prick, chauvin- basically, Bond's was said by a prick. I, yeah. I, that's what he's originally written, and so, when people ask him about stuff, he'd always come back by sound fucking smart, so that's, that's originally how he's written, uh, written, uh, <laughs> but maybe I don't know. I don't know if it's going to turn into like a double agent type thing or something. But you never know. Okay. Anyway, we'll move on from there into the next news, which is the Spider-Man reboot has gotten its writers. Oh. It's the Vacation co-directors John Francis Daly and Jonathan M. Goldstein. Hold on, the, the fucking Ed Helms. I'm all for left field choices and stuff like that, but I just I really cannot see this turn out well. Well, you see, they're 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 writers anyway. Yeah, I only knew John Francis Daly as the fucking ten year old from Freaks and Geeks, and now apparently he's a screenwriter, which I was yeah. not aware of. <laughs> so, like, what the fuck's happened? Were you told, Chen? He was a screenwriter. Uh, no, I, I was. I wasn't told. Like, no, I didn't told? Like, you know? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't hear a thing. I didn't hear a peep. I'm like, we're fucking mad. We're, we're, the, we're the biggest fan podcast in the waves. Like, you know what I mean? We're not getting any sort of fucking like, memos. Right. Okay, so what they have written is Horrible Bosses 1 and 2. Oh, Jesus. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. Okay. The, the, well. the, incredi- the incredible Burt Wonderstone. Uh. Balls. So they're obviously going with comedy writers for the new Spider Man reboots, which I think is, is a good sign for Spider Man uh. that they're trying to. I don't think it's going to be balls out of the bath comedy like what Horrible Boss is. Like, yeah. going for no, jokes, no, jokes, of course. Jokes. I mean, we've, we've said before that a whole thing about Spider-Man is that I, th- I think a thing that's lost a lot and even the Sam Raimi kind of does it. I think that the Andrew Garfield one tries to do it and just fails because the cops aren't great. But it just seems Sp- like a wee wanker to me. Spider-Man yeah. is renowned for being a wee like, irritant and he's, redu- he's renowned for having these cops and having these wee kind of fucking annoying phrases when he's bitten a fucking hole at Dr. Octopus or something like that yeah. there. And Sam Raimi done it to a certain extent, but focus more on the kind of drama and the action of it. 
and like I was saying, like the Andrew Garfield one, they were doing crops from, but it's a very fine line, a fine balance because mm. Andrew Garfield when he was doing these crops, he just came off as a wanker. He has to still be like, <laughs> like you know what I mean. He has to oh, still I, be. I still, I, 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 the, I the, like the, the one from Amazing Spider-Man. Where he's all, oh no, my only weakness, tiny knives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, see, that, that, that's, that's good, but maybe as well, I think it's probably just because of how the, the first Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield was kind of pissed, because Uncle Ben dies, and up until then, Andrew Spoilers. But Uncle Ben dies, and Andrew Garfield up until then, just your kind of standard teenager, he's not really cool, but he's not that funny, and then it's after Uncle Ben dies, about 10 minutes later, after a 10 minute period of grieving, he just then all of a sudden comes out where he's fucking well he becomes Spider-Man then ah well so what your uncle's just been murdered the person was a fucking humour no but he's it should be like a self-deprecating humour I mean it's never developed naturally in these because they have to move them so fast Mm -hmm. it's sort of like it should come out as I mean I think a humour should always come out of cynicism with Spider-Man first and it should have this sort of critical thing about fucking you know I uh, well you know you, you know what I'm saying uh, like, I, so, sometimes it does seem a bit like he's, he's, I'm just dead smart he's, he's, yeah, no he's just being quippy to be funny in a kind of time when it's not really time to be funny see, the, 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 I think you've nailed it in the head I think that's exactly the point I was trying to get at and you also nailed it in the head I think the crops with Spider-Man only work but also a fucking I, we need a crop count tonight the time we said crops <laughs> but uh the quips only work with Spider-Man when he's being cynical yeah. or he's, he's taking the hand on a crime or he's trying to be yeah. you know self-deprecating or something like that. But it doesn't work say he's bitten a hole in there, boy. And, or he's battering <laughs> some fucking guy. <laughs> Sorry, not bitten a hole in there, boy. <laughs> 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 That's like a completely different thing. Like. <laughs> but yeah. it's like if, he, if he's fucking battering a boy or something like that there and then he's just saying these like fucking jokes, you find that Christmas cracker? You it's know what I mean? That's like, nah, this is uh, full mood. It's like, you know what I mean? I think I'm going to get my dad to buy the podcast a, a quip whoop. <laughs> <laughs> so anytime he's like quip, it's just all whoosh. <laughs> Fuck it on. Stop saying quip. Put uh, the whoops in the center next to the danger bottle. <laughs> Speaking of. But I, yeah, I, th- I think I think it's encouraging anyway that they are going with comedy writers, but I think uh you would you don't have to worry that it's gonna be just like a big kind of comedy either because uh these two writers they're directing the vacation movie as well and they were actually on the shortlist they actually direct the film as well so sony obviously seen a b- or sony and marvel actually seen something and then that you know they were on the shortlist for them, and then they went to a, your your cop car boy we call him joe right or something i know we never yeah. we never get his name we've right. done a money episode too <laughs> but i think it's because he's done nothing <laughs> and cop care hasn't even been fucking released over here yet so we won't even know but uh, i know but i think it shows that they have at least have a bit of confidence in in the two writers and that they were up even up for being directors for it and i think you you need the comedy in there and it'll it'll just it'll it's just encouraging i feel i put this one in just to kind of fuck off shannon but uh, yeah. there's a <laughs> there's a li- live action sword in the stone in uh, in the works with Disney. Why are Disney doing this? Like, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. They just want uh, the most accurate way to right, fuck you. Right, up right. They know uh, I'm a, a, a titan in the film world now. <laughs> like they're trying to take really me down. Trademark, <laughs> but hang on, hang on. Right, they're working on a live action Sword in the Stone uh, film, and uh, Game of Thrones writer producer Brian Cogman is going to be writing it. There we go. That's how I first wrote all the other. That's how I first kept my first wrote too. Sword in the Stone just just. Cash, y'all mean as the wind. 
Just make it Ned. Just make it Ned Stokes return. It'd be unbelievable. Cassim is Merlin. Oh fuck it, but Excalibur isn't it? Aye, pulling the sword out of stone. See, I've always, I've always loved that story, but I haven't watched it since I was honestly about three or four. And besides that kind of iconic thing of fucking pulling the sword out of the stone, I remember nothing. Right. Obviously, he's the chosen one, or he gets to be like yeah. the king or something, then or some shit like that. Yeah, he it? becomes it's King Arthur's story. Ah, fuck, I, that's right, yeah, it's King Arthur's story. Yeah, they call him Wart. 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 Uh, do you know what? I think the reason that I got so fucked off in previous weeks with like uh, Pinocchio and, and like Dumbo and stuff like that is because I think it's just, I think for anybody at this stage when it's so, you know, early in pre production, it's very hard to imagine yeah. a live action, especially when the animated versions are so iconic. But Sword in a Stone. As a live action fantasy, I can definitely imagine that. Yeah. Definitely. Mm. And all enough, even as a Wayne, it was one of my favourite Disney's, even though I cannot remember one thing about it now. But even thinking about it recently, I've thought to myself, that would translate so well. And it could actually, you know what, even if you really take that as an inspiration and it wasn't Disney, that could just make a good fantasy film even for adults. You know what I mean? Yeah. A different studio kind of ripped off the fucking the narrative we but I think it'd be excellent. Mm. But I, I actually am excited about that, so it hasn't fucked me off. This is actually. Uh. <laughs> bought me some fifth and doesn't it again like you did you brought dogs to fuck me up <laughs> it's you, just cause you hate all Disney's live action I don't know how the fuck well that's anywhere. not Disney oh fuck I, that's right that's I keep even. telling you it's still gonna be shit but anyway okay and our final piece of news is Rob McElhenney from mm-hmm. It's Always Sunny fame is going to direct a Minecraft movie oh no this for me is the most mental piece of fucking news I think <laughs> yeah. It's always sunny and Rob McElhenney is like no like even though it's still in its in its series run so iconic because it just was like a kick in the arm for like American comedy oh, and stuff oh, like yeah. that and it's absolutely amazing. A lot of its improvised, great characters, really kinda you would I, love, say, I love the fact that none of them are good people. They're all absolutely awful human beings. And <laughs> even at that, I mean, it's obviously just kinda like the Seinfeld thing where everybody in Seinfeld was a pretty a prick too, but it's just ramping it up. It's like Seinfeld on steroids, basically. Uh, I think that's how it's described by some like fucking American like broadsheets and stuff like that. But uh, obviously, Rob McElhenney is so rooted in that sort of comedy genre, and you just identify him totally. Well, it's always sunny. Then they go to someone else that's so iconic. Like Minecraft is such a fucking huge thing. One like, of the biggest selling video games ever. Yes, like it's gigantic, and I just. It's one of those ones I really can't speculate. I have no idea how that's going to turn out because I only know Rob McElhenney from creating and directing and producing and acting and It's Always Sunny. And all enough, when we watch well, one... He, he directs episodes of It's Always Sunny as well. No, that's what I'm saying. He directs It's Always Sunny. That's, uh, yeah, that's what I was just mm-hmm. saying there. But all enough last night, and I am nearly convinced of us, we finally, or I finally watched one of Heron's favorite films, Wonder Boys, which he's recommended before, which he's been wanting me to watch. Me and him watched it with each other last night. It was a lovely evening. But... Uh, Rob McElhenney. I was charmed. It's it's I it's <laughs> it's it was made in like uh, two thousand, mm. and there is literally this cutaway shot for about two seconds. It cuts to Katie Holmes, who's a character on the phone clapping, and Rob McElhenney just sitting beside her. <laughs> Obviously, this fucking butt part extra back in the was day. This is like the Wonder Boys. He's I was wondering why you were laughing. He's there in the crowd. That's not that funny. Was I was like, oh, that's fucking Mac. I was wondering where the fuck you were laughing. It's one of them ones, you know, get get pause it already towards the end of the film. Pause it and he's there just clapping beside Katie. Oh. I was like, oh, you were starving at that point. Like, you, know, <laughs> you were working for my, working for food then. Like, you know, like, but, uh, 
I have no idea it's going to turn out, but it could be well, unbelievable. It could be an absolute travesty. I really hope it's not. Well, you I'm... see, when when you hear Minecraft movies, just like for fuck's sake, what's that going to be mm. like? But you equate it to something like the Lego movie, like when you, you words into mouth. when you just hear the Lego movie, you just like for fuck's sake. And actually, one of the producers of the Lego movie is going to produce Minecraft as well. The, I think so, they need that experience because even the concept of adapting a toy, which has no storyline, and the an unbelievably good and funny film like a Lego movie. I think you need and that experience. It's a really fucking intelligent film, yeah, like with it, with a real world good. and the thing. It's, it's I think you, you need that experience. You need that know-how. Let's just hope that it's the Lego movie and not Battleship. Yeah, <laughs> you know I mean, yeah, that's what we're we're talking about. No, my, my, Jesus, Minecraft. Battleship was bogging. And I, I, I only seen the trailer, and I know it's bogging. Certainly, <laughs> my Rihanna's worst film. <laughs> it's only film. <laughs> oh, she did Home as well. Did she? Have seen it? She she did a voice in one of it. Either way, she's shaking. Peter Bruce, a fairly fucking up and down director, isn't he? Nah, anyway. but anyway, uh, no. What I was going to say, hey, uh, because no, because my Minecraft has a has, has a Telltale game series coming out. It's called Minecraft Story Mode, and so it's it's a Telltale game. If you don't know, is <laughs> It's kind of like an adventure kind of game where just a story happens and you make decisions and that changes what the story's going to be. They do, they've done like The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones and stuff. But now they have this mine, Minecraft uh, game, uh, the Telltale game, and it's called Story Mode. And it is just set in the Minecraft world and they've just made up a story that centers kind of in that world. And that's all you have to, You can make any story you want and just put it in the Minecraft world and yeah. then that's the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can do literally anything. <laughs> it just has to be in the Minecraft world of it, it mining is, it, it, It's the same. But that was the beauty of Lego because yeah, there is it can no narrative to Lego. Anything. It can be anything. I love that though. Uh, on a website, it's it's a it's a follow website that, that that I read from time to time. Somebody put up the other day about Rob McElhoney. I obviously tagged on Minecraft. But... They must read the news piece when they see it and they're all, what the fuck, Rob McElhaney is directing an adaptation of Mein Kampf. Imagine <laughs> 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 an adaptation of Mein Kampf. <laughs> Dying of Vito's Hitler just. Jumping a crack, have you set up a wee forum of, uh, you know, same thing you're saying about uh, you can write whatever story you want but set it in a Minecraft world. Uh, what film adaptation <laughs> would you do in the Minecraft <laughs> world? Maybe like uh, you know, the show Shaka Lab. I bald like yeah. fuck off yeah. prison. It's all about digging like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. You know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know about Minecraft. That was a really lucky mistake. Because <laughs> it's all about digging. Yes. Yeah. Well, there because I'm gonna fucking claim my Minecraft. I, <laughs> I bought my wee brother who's eight. Uh, a Minecraft toy. Apparently, there's things called creepers. Creeper. I was about to say bosses. Was that a wee? That's another thing. Was that three year olds? Was that a wee? Oh, a wee shot in the dark present. Just I fuck it. No, he loves. He fucking. He oh, went to like. A, he went to like a Minecraft gaming convention down the town there, like a few months back. Oh, I was going to say, did he go to Minecon? That was over in London there. Minecon. Yeah, it was, it was on there a few weeks ago in London. Fuck on hell, right? Well, get off this. We're talking about too much bosses and creepers and Minecraft. Let's fucking move on here. Yeah, so we'll move on to topics, and Shaco is holding his hand up, so I believe he wants to talk or go to the bathroom. No, no. <laughs> I'll do both at the same time. Like. <laughs> <laughs> you might be African or jeans, just. <laughs> aye, fuck it. Aye, my topic this week is, are Quentin Tarantino's films racist? And before you dive on that, I'll just give a wee bit of context and stuff like that. The reason I say this is because Quentin Tarantino has focused quite a lot, especially on like kind of African-American cultures. Obviously in Django, where it's a freed slave, and you've got like Jules Winnefeld in Pulp Fiction, who's like this kind of ghetto, you know, jive-talking sort of uh, gangster and stuff like that. 
one thing I will say is that I don't think that Quentin Tarantino means to be racist. I, 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 I genuinely think that he thinks he is uh, shining the light on like kind of black culture or black society in America. The reason that I say it is that I think that and Tarantino's amounted this himself on numerous numerous occasions that he loves black exploitation films from the like the the seventies, you know, like Sweet Sweetback's badass song and you know like Dolomite and stuff like that. He loves those films, and I think a lot of it is that now this may get about Paris. I I don't know how many fucking people that you know Tarantino uh, knows that there are African American that could be completely wrong, but I have heard articles and he kind of point the same sort of criticism at him is that his idea of black identity and black culture is informed by black exploitation films and black exploitation films are kind of drawn up these stereotypes obviously made by black people drawn up stereotypes about african-american culture and the reason that i think that it's just doesn't sit right is because obviously quentin Turner is a white director and those stereotypes aren't actually how African American people are. You know, they're a diverse culture. And it's the licks of like. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like, what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like, what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's this really clawing line in, uh, in Pulp Fiction mm. where, and it's actually Tarantino playing them too, which makes it even worse. And it just stands out for such right, a great film. Stories, yeah, precisely. It's, yeah. And when he says that, and it's like, that line doesn't need to be in there. But it's just Tarantino mm. trying to be the characters that he's seen in black exploitation films, and he has no right, first of all, to say that word. No need for that fucking line to be on the film. And it's almost like he thinks that this is how black people interact with each other. Mm. And it, it's just so informed by cinema. I do not think that he means it. I don't think he's a racist man. That's not what I'm saying whatsoever. Mm. But I just think that he is not knowing the fact that his, his films are racist because yeah. he presents African-American characters as mm. if they were black exploitation caricatures and not yeah. actual people. You know what I mean? Well, what I was going to say is uh, bringing up is his films racist. The the time, the, the one time I, I was actually watching one of his films and thought that this is racist was actually Kill Bill. Mm. Which is one we haven't touched on again. Yeah, what Asian Which culture? Which I... Because... It, and it was it was it's been years since I said I've only watched it once because I didn't actually like Kill Bill or the, it was the first one, and uh, I think it explains an Asian character's background in anime. Yes, and I just I just didn't like that. 
and it just it just made me feel like it was like people came back to me and said like well he's just exp- he's just kind of picking a bit of like her culture and kind of mm. using it for her backstory and like i suppose you could see it that way as well but just personally when i was watching it, i just thought it was a bit racist yeah. but what i was going to say about quentin tarantino just as a person that i think he's just the kind of person that even if some things do come off as racist or could be seen as racist mm. or something like that, he he knows what he's about himself and he doesn't worry about right. what he puts out there because he knows himself kind of thing so he doesn't care if something comes off as mm. racist he's just going to do what he does See, and he knows mm. in himself what he's trying to say but do you not think that's irresponsible and what, and what well, really, I'm just saying and that's, what really that's, is he trying to say? Well, I'm just you know saying I mean? because, that's, that's the vibe I get from Quentin Tarantino. Because let's be honest, I mean, I could see past it. I, no, actually, no, I could never see past it, but you could understand that if he was making serious dramas and he was trying to get the, like, a, a narrative point where it's like a fucking <clears throat> kind of focus on racism. But let's be honest, like, Quentin Tarantino's films, no matter how well made they are, are all essentially revenge films. And the characters are very kind of one note they're interesting they've got great dialogue but they're pretty one note so then when you pull up these caricatures of uh asians or of african-americans and you make them so one note and don't give them any depth but just kind of represent them through the caricatures or, or, the, or the characteristics stereotypical characteristics of their culture mm. then certainly that's an insult you well see I mean? the thing actually which i've only just realized and just thinking about this here uh is just through this conversation because I don't know, always had mixed opinions of Tarantino, but I, I'm actually just realizing now that Tarantino's language of telling stories is entirely film. Yep, that's exactly. But but I think is, but I think that's insta- that's his just his style, and that, that that's entirely. I mean, you're not going to see Tarantino making a fucking Fellas for Justice film or something like that there, and yep. if he did, it would probably be you know not what you're expecting. But I think his films are self admittedly referential and yes. they're also um they use f- previous film language in a different way but i mean in a way there, there's nothing new in tarantino's films it's just the way in which he uses it you know but you know I, I don't, i'm trying to get any point here but what i'm saying about the way he talks about racism i mean if you're referring to the, the black exploitation stuff i mean the way we saw the nazis and saying glorious bastards and all i mean that that entire soundtrack is fucking you know it, it's it's world war ii film soundtracks and all i mean yeah his way of communicating his story is just through old film tropes but it's just because he knows that fucking many of them i'm sure if you're going oh that's new i'm sure one way or another you'll find out when that's been used before yeah because that that's just the way he communicates you know and that, that's that's the way he communicates his movies and that's why i think right with the exception of django i think that's why i think all of his films are, are severely filmic and that, that's why it's not i think it's maybe unwise to take all of his things too seriously because you know, the black exploitation thing is film and you know like the, the other things like the drug taking and stuff is it, filmic and this kind of stuff but what i'm trying to say is it's not really he's not trying to make uh you know like documentary no, I, I, I know, and that's exactly so what i'm saying Obviously, that's where we kind of t- stop with him if you know what i mean tarantino is never trying to make like you know i cannot a film that, that makes you, you know, shine a light on society or shine a light on history or something like that obviously he is completely influenced by exploitation uh, by grindhouse his uh basically 
his voice or his narrative voice in cinema or his narrative voice is completely informed by film and you know being self-referential and looking back at old films and you know looking back at the construction of film that's a hundred percent i don't disagree with that whatsoever mm. but i just think that at the same time there should be a bit of responsibility there you know especially in kind of modern times and stuff they maybe at least not even make it subtle but be a bit more sensitive around the topics that he is representing and he could yeah. easily represent african-american characters or asian characters in a really really fucking good way without having to go to these fucking stereotypes because he's obviously a smart man he obviously knows the stuff not only about film but you know just about these cultures because he's obviously interested in them so yeah. i don't think it is to hark back to these stereotypes but what's very strange and like i was saying before is that i think he does love these cultures but he just mm-hmm. doesn't understand Aye. how they represent them. He just doesn't understand Aye. the sensitivity around certain stuff. Okay, and we'll move on to our next topic. And I'll go with my topic next. And I want to talk about uh, product placement in films. That's a strange one. That's a strange one, right, But uh, Actually, no, speaking of product placement, let's talk more movies. It's sponsored by... It's <laughs> <laughs> probably brought to you by... Buckfast. <laughs> <laughs> blue nun. <laughs> oh, but, you want a blue nun? Oh, Was that your way of asking for a blue nun? <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I want to talk about product placement in films. And the thing actually kind of stirred in my mind is my sister said to me that she she found out an interesting fact. What was? Is this a dumb fact? Sister <laughs> fact. Sister <laughs> fact. But uh, no, she she said that uh, in every scene of Fight Club. There's a Starbucks cup. Is that true? There is a Tumblr dedicated they showing pictures of. Is it actually sh- true? Yeah. Well, I, I I took a look at the Tumblr and they have a lot of pictures of a lot of scenes and it looks pretty legit. Well, anyway, even if it's not every fucking single frame, it's still pretty impressive. They, they or not even not even impressive, but just quirky they, as a fact. Did French ever do an ad for Starbucks? Thing? But I don't know. But no, you but see, in, a, in an odd sort of way, that is that is definitely in an ironic way because I mean, anytime you see product placement, it is because the major company has some sort of interest in the film or they're helping produce it. Whereas in Fight Club, mm. which is about the destruction of capitalism and the destruction of all these fucking main industries, they've definitely chucked it on there subtly. And it's obviously so subtle that most people can't notice it because if Starbucks did notice it, there'll be a definite lawsuit. That's like a kind of that's a that's no 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 but no that was definitely on there. I mean it wouldn't be on there. That, that, that's an no, like, st- Starbucks paying. that's the way I would take it anyway. No, but, the way, no, they but, wouldn't be allowed. They'd be they'd be fuck. No, but the 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 way I would take this mm, is that we uh, this this what well, I, I just can't about. ruin cycle because it's it's supposed to be this fucking. But this it's supposed to be taking down capitalism. But this, but this is what I'm trying to say. They have to be allowed to use these images too, though. But this is what I'm trying to say is. When you hear product placement, it sounds really bad. Like you think of like Transformers films, and they're all fucking yeah. drinking Bud Light, and they're on their fucking Microsoft computers, and fucking listen to their bass speakers and all yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of crap. And uh, after Spray's got beats by Dragon Ball, uh, exactly. <laughs> and um, so it it always sounds like a, like dirty, and you think, oh fucking product placement, like. Okay, yeah. like they're, they're all with them, Starbucks but a bit you, dirty. You, 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 take a, you take a film <laughs> like fucking Fight Club and you're just saying it's supposed to be anti and they have fucking Starbucks in every scene that yeah. you did. So it can be done subtly. And so do, do you think, does does noticing product placement take you out of a film for you and, or do you not even really give a fuck about it if you notice it? No, what it is is that if, if I notice product placement in the film and I think when product placement is done quite poorly, then... It does. It doesn't really take me out of film. You see it and you go, Ugh, 
All oh, right, fair enough. I fucking, you know, I mean, like, Pot Noodles got a fucking vested interest in the shoe or something like that. Not that uh-huh. Pot Noodles hey. ever had. No, hang on. <laughs> hang on. Hang on. You, you talking about Dead Man's shoes? Hey, we're chatting about dumb facts. You know what's actually mental? Do you know who put up the whole budget for Sean and Ed? Cornetto. Sean. That's both. Yeah, That's yeah, but actually, curiously, based on what uh, Mickey's saying about uh, Starbucks being a product placement and Fight Club, I mean, which was definitely they get the money to be on there. That that there's no way it's on the, on the slide. Of course not. You know, it was naive as fuck. I mean, to say it definitely, but but uh, just on it, on that though, as I mean, you'd be surprised how well uh, companies. I mean, I know they're getting their name in there, right? But you'd be surprised how kind of subtly they they can be. Uh, you know, <laughs> I suppose. If you talk to them the right way, you can get the product in there. Because there actually is nothing more annoying than going, I know that can and that bomb, well, what they're talking about should be Coca-Cola, but because they didn't give it to him, we're talking about some fucking uh, wanker safe cola or something but like that But does that pull you to the phone? Because so many people Sometimes intrinsically, bargain, when you know like it's a part of it, when it's just like whatever, when you know it should be, it's sort of, it, it's a wee bit distracting. I, I find it's just, you know, it's probably just because of, of, of phone language. It's always been Coca-Cola. Anyway. Um, so you're saying it, it kind of takes you out if if the product isn't in there, like if they if they call it so, sometimes they, they call so, sometimes it see, see for it, me it's, it's, it's usually when it's a really shite name or it's usually if, if if the person who wrote the name for that there hasn't really thought about it. Really but enough. usually if, if it's a shite name, I'd say ninety nine percent of the time it's almost like kind of breaking the fourth wall. It's, it's almost like trying to take the hand out of the fact that they is, don't like, have you know what well, I mean. I'm mean, like obviously the, the main the classic one we we're talking yeah. about later on is Wayne's World when they're doing the product placement that's like Pizza Hut and fucking like what is it Adidas but, and stuff like see, that. that that that's how you make a joke out of product placement but still get your money because they devs got the money for that fucking oh, oh, sequence. Like, I'd probably pay for the whole bowl. Exactly. Like, because some of the some of the companies they lost in that like three minutes are gigantic fucking companies. Mm. But I, like, I have a headache. <laughs> <laughs> Stop talking. You're giving me a migraine. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? New, orange, small. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I couldn't just do that. <laughs> Stop quoting me. Yeah, no. That's like a point there. It's that people only do things because they get paid. <laughs> I just uh, think that's sad, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we uh, don't because we're getting paid. Fuck all. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I'm saying about uh, what you're referring to about the Starbucks thing is there was there was a bit of a bother because in the Kermit McCarthy book, The Road, it specifically says a can of Coca-Cola. Um, uh, when the kid has a can of Coca-Cola. And um, Coke didn't want to be a part of it. They, they didn't want it at all. And uh, it was just this big problem because he said, no, it's just, uh, it looks terrible. There's this fucking vent machine sitting there and there's an old can of Coke and all. It just looks terrible and all. And, I get Pepsi instead. <laughs> no, I, I actually feel it. Uh, Pepsi will take anything. <laughs> I, I don't know. They'll pick maybe, up Coke scraps in it. Uh, <laughs> there's always different reasons. And all, but eventually, I think Viggo Mortensen went to them. And I think his argument was pretty much, right, an apocalypse has happened. Coke and, 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 and this fellow, the last surviving form of fucking, you know, capitalism is Coca-Cola. Surely you want a bit of that action there. <laughs> 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 so Coca-Cola's in, in the road, like. That's fucking legit. Uh, so how much your topic? Um, it, it's a I suppose a wee bit off what we kind of usually talk about, but it's it's specifically about uh, a film theorist called uh, Joseph Campbell. He wrote a thing called The Hero's Journey. 
They called me stupid. So many ways. So many Whole career bogged down that. Yeah. I mean, he had all these theories about that there was only a certain amount of stories ever written, and these certain amount of stories just get constantly repeated throughout, you know, uh, mythology, through books, through film, this kind of thing. And, like, I mean, the clearest example is probably something like Star Wars. I mean, Joseph Campbell also wrote a book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces, which George Lucas always uh, cites as his biggest influence on uh, Star Wars. So, like, I don't know, I mean, I'll give you an example of the kind of the act and stuff. I mean, what Campbell calls, uh, right, so it starts off in your, you know, suppose your your, uh, domestic world. Yeah. And uh, you have a call to action to a bigger world or a bigger yeah. expanse. An unknown. Uh, and then uh, in the second act, it, it's, you know, it's called uh, The Road of Trials. It's your second act, your standard, you know, second act. And then at the end, it's pretty much called, like, uh, either uh, Freedom to Live and Return or it's The Refusal to Return. I mean, every every time that he comes to these junctures, your your hero, uh, he has a choice to, to go one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But it, it's always fairly circular. It always comes back. I mean, ev- even if uh, the character refuses to go, it still goes right back. To, he, he can be enlightened at the end of the story, and he can go back home with his enlightened knowledge, yep. or he can go off. I mean, it's, it's the same thing that's used for like Frodo and Sam in uh, uh, Lord of the Rings, because uh, Frodo goes home. Uh, or Sorry, Sam goes home, yep. and uh, Frodo goes off. And then another thing, I mean, it, it's sort of... Uh, what they use throughout their lessons yeah. the whole thing I mean I mean the main three that you would sort of very obviously compare it with is like Star Wars The Matrix and Lord of the Rings there's, yeah. there's very very clear uses of, of this here so I mean the first thing is called uh, The Call to Adventure so for example it very obviously is like Prince Leia's message in Star Wars yeah and then the second part would be like for example it's like uh, like it's like some some form of uh, initiation, or there's the trial period where we're figuring out, or or the mentor is figuring out if this like guy look, yeah, I like look, like, like when Luke is trying to like prove himself as a Jedi. I like look, you know, he's, he's practicing the lightsaber and stuff, but and you're uh, seeing how fast. But he like is. When, when they get drawn into the Death Star, then like they mm. they all have different stuff to do, and that's yeah. their that's their trials. Yeah, exactly. It's all the trials, and then the third act is kind of it's resolve or it's return mm-hmm. and, and this kind of stuff, and it's. But, I mean, it's also, it's the refusal to return, or it's, you know, am I going to go one way or going to the other? I mean, Luke has a few of these things. Like, I mean, his his uh, refusal is when uh, when Obi-Wan gets fucking sabered down. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't say gone down because it's lightsabers, I say that. And, uh, and I say, Luke, come on, whereas Luke wants to go back and fucking have a wee fucking saber bite by Darth Flick. Uh, <laughs> he, he chooses the run. Exactly. Uh, but eventually he chooses the run, I But, um... I mean, the final resolution of that there is uh, the rebellion is kind of victorious over the empire. I mean, similarly, like in, in the Matrix, you know, it's the sort of the call to action where it's like Leia's message in uh, Star Wars. The call to action in the Matrix is follow the white rabbit. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, and then uh, you know, the second part then is is uh, fight me, Morpheus, is initiation. It, it's you know, as this guy. Are you the one or are you not the one? Exactly. Yeah. And then, Aye, but uh, he, even just his whole his whole first bits going into the Matrix, like mm. going to see the Oracle and all that, mm. kind of crap, like that, like when you say trials, like there's a lot of stuff that can happen mm. in that second act. Oh, with mean, all these things, but I mean, those are the main. I'm trying to talk about the main. It's very malleable. Obviously, what 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 the series was trying to say is there is a certain structure, and it, it is malleable, and it can be taken in certain directions. But at the very end of the narrative, 
that structure is still intact in a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, and then, right, so, so I'll, I'll, I'll say, for example, the three kind of main points of, of, say, for example, the Matrix is, right, it's the fall of the White Rabbit, and then it's uh, he has that fight with uh, Morpheus, and then at the end, uh, instead of running, Neo ends up fighting the agent. Stops a lock of fucking bullets, just. Stops a stack of bullets. Just goes up. Because it, it, it's, it's good as well. Like, they were obviously trying to play that a bit because they were telling him they run first. Yes. Aye. And then he accepts kind of who he is. Yeah. And then he fucking just stays mm. and fucking just... I mean, not not bit holes. I said earlier on, which is like a blade or something. But there's like there's a lot of these myths that show up on this thing. Like for example, like it's it's the what what uh, Campbell calls the two words is uh, in Star Wars. It's uh, planet state and then the Death Star, and the Matrix is reality versus the Matrix. Yeah. Mm. There's the mentors Obi Wan Kenobi. It's Morpheus. There's the Oracle, which is Yoda, and it's the Oracle. Oh. Uh, the prophecy is look over through the empire, and the other prophecy is Morpheus will find Trinity, and Trinity will fall in love with the one. The, uh, the field hero is Biggs. Yeah, you know, and fucking uh, hell, I completely forgot about Biggs. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he's a bad cunt. You <laughs> completely forget about him. And, uh, and and actually, an earlier version of the Matrix, uh, Cipher was believed to be the one. I love Joe Pagliano always playing a Weasley bastard, Aye. be it the Sopranos, be Aye. it fucking Memento. But he was always he was believed as the one earlier, because that's that whole thing where he fucking hates Neo and he says they fucking tr- he tricked us and all that there and that's why he's so angry about it and he you know and Morpheus even has that thing like I shouldn't take anybody so, uh, too late because I I believe in them and this kind of stuff so. In Memento though, is he not kind of a bit legit? In all in all fairness, I think they play with. Pa- I, I think they play with Joe Palano's stereotype as an actor and play with the fact that he usually plays shady wee weasley bastards when actually memento plays out it turns out that he's actually a really nice guy who's mm. ju- well not a really nice well, guy he, he does he's not a nice guy he's, he's got questionable morals he's obviously fucking off and crumbles he don't deserve it just a fucking kind of placate mm. a gay piercer's character mm. but anyway yeah that's besides the point yeah, but other parts of the myth as well How are like uh you know, the, the, when i'm saying the myth the, these are troops that'll that'll show up every now and again throughout this whole theory and one of them is uh wearing an enemy skin uh, look at hand where the sky tripper outfits or the storm Star tripper outfits and uh neo jumps on the agent's skin you know it's the same thing oh, okay. and uh a shapeshifter somebody i uh, can have a rogue you're not too sure about is in the form of han solo and in the matrix is the form of cypher oh, stuff i got there you know and, and it's, it's just it's just when you start putting all that shit on us it's kind of <laughs> interesting like i like this i like um, this too and it's pretty much the last one is a wee bit abstract but again it, it's the same thing it's uh chasing a lone animal into <laughs> into the enchanted wood. Look <laughs> <laughs> uh, follows R two into the uh, Judline wastes. The Millennium Falcon follows a lone Tie fighter into the range of the Death Star, yeah. and then and uh, Neo follows the White Rabbit to the nightclub where he meets Trinity. You know, there's stuff like that. There's always been. It's it's a seriously fascinating fucking idea. But there's actually whenever we film this here because there's actually a diagram. Uh, Oh, there's a sorry. I'm waving like fun with theory. <laughs> we'll there's, there's a, a, <laughs> Get the blackboard out. <laughs> <laughs> there's actually a diagram and say, and if if you can think of a film, right, 
and uh, you can describe what the, we'll, we'll share the diagram on the Facebook or something like that there yeah there's a diagram where you can pick any film and it'll actually show you you know it, it it's, a, it's a wee bit rudimentary at times and you kind of get annoyed if you're trying to write a script and you're like, oh, no man this isn't the fucking hero journey uh, no man I'm original man. <laughs> I'm original man I'm so good there fuck you okay yeah. so if, if I throw a film at you right now like you, you babe they just walk me through it through this diagram right so okay right, go for it right Okay, I am going to choose The Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> David Spade's best performance. I haven't seen him. <laughs> you serious? Well, do you want to use the diagram yourself and, and walk yourself I'll... through it? Here's a diagram for you, Alan. Have you not seen The Emperor's New Groove? No. Oh, it's fucking hilarious. Man. Is it like, uh, you know, when Stella gets her groove back or something? Or something like that? <laughs> Is it like a prequel? Okay, so uh, um, I'm starting here at one. You're starting, at, uh, you're starting at one and you have to get back to one as well. Oh, okay, okay. It's a circular diagram. We'll, we'll share it. So the ordinary world is Cusco. Right. He's he's the emperor. He's just living his life. He thinks he's the fucking bee's knees. Mm, he's the mm. best thing at everything kind of thing. Right. And uh, call to adventure. I think that would be when he meets... Oh, I can't, I can't remember. John Goodman plays the character he meets John Goodman he meets John Goodman I would follow John Goodman into the fucking fires of hell to be honest <laughs> well you see this is the thing it's uh, Cusco actually calls John Goodman's character to the palace they right. say to him oh you, you live up on that hill don't you that's right. a really nice hill and he's are, you all, the, are you the man on the hill <laughs> nah. and he's all aye it's a fucking sweet hill you know, <laughs> and he's all aye you're, you're right I'm gonna build my own wee, own wee like Semi palace up there. That's uh-huh. me. Wee, that's me. We water park up there. Yeah, that's, that's, that's that's me. We holiday yeah, that's home. That's me. Mental den. Yeah. So I would say that's that's the call the adventure. That's where you go to mind. I would say that's that's the call the adventure because that's that's the first kind of like Cusco's a bit of a deck like, but uh, like that that's that's. That's when he makes makes first. Uh, also, I've returned. I was off for a pin. Ready to see a man about a horse just. <laughs> that's when he makes the first uh, interaction with John Goodman, and then so the refusal of the call is when he first gets turned into a llama, because yeah. he gets turned into a llama, and then he's all like, "What? I'm a llama? I have a llama face?" And then he gets really angry about this llama the, face. <laughs> this is the llama new world. Face. This is the new world he's on. I know, so meeting the mentor would be when he bumps into John Goodman again. John, John Goodman is trying to help him through this difficult time. Crossing the threshold is when he decides to go off with John Goodman back to the palace, mm-hmm. be trying to get his own human body back. Yep. Tess, allies, enemies is actually their actual journey. They meet a very helpful cricket, I believe. <laughs> or so. <laughs> So, so there's some, there's some, no, you know better, me. No, no, it's not. It's, it's, um, you know what? Pe- people who know Emperor's New Groove is going to think about absolute. Day. It's not a cricket. It's a fucking squirrel. Oh, oh again, the phones are going off the hook. Why is phone on? Wouldn't be correct. Half the goddamn city just called nine one one. So that that that's that's your allies, your enemies is uh. Isma, who's trying to catch up with him and make sure he dies rather than stays a llama. Right on. And Tess is uh, they they get chased by a bunch of like predators on like fucking what you call them cats, but uh, <laughs> tigers, <laughs> cheetahs, I panthers, I probably probably want them. Pumas. We've now just turned into National Geographic. <laughs> so approach is probably the same kind of deal. They're approaching the palace, yeah. ordeal, death, and rebirth. 
Well, I mean, well, it's kind of a, it's a choice. Well, put it this way, it's a choice of morality. I love the fact that this structure alone has made you get through every single question. You come to one <laughs> that has an answer for the emperor's new government. Oh, no, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Well, ordeal, ordeal, death, and rebirth. I, I always find look at the next one after it. Reward. And then, then you can uh, seizing the sword. Okay. Well, you see, they they are. De- death and rebirth. It it means death and rebirth of of character of oh, yourself. Shit. Yes, thank you. This is why Heron's on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because yes, because when Cusco is first turned into the llama, he doesn't change. He's still a dick, and he's telling John Goodman, "Get me back to the palace." And I was here, guy. Right. But then they go through the tests and alleys and enemies, <laughs> and then they approach oh, the palace. <laughs> but then, not yet, because Cusco does change as as a person. Well, as a llama. And uh, it becomes a nicer person. He actually likes, uh, begins to like John Goodman, and he he kind of realizes the error of his ways of being a selfish bastard. <laughs> See, and right so- up until now, as well, <laughs> right up until that last line you said, I thought this whole time you were saying Susco. Oh, Susco! Oh, Susco! Doesn't get a look on his eyes. The fuck happened, to Susco? Susco passed the greatest fucking musician of a generation. Uh, he showed up on like a she's all that too kind of day, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't called She's All That Too, but it was She's All That Too. That's like. how you would have got even bigger bank for fucking Emperor's New Groove. Sasko, lead voice artist. <laughs> I said Sasko. <laughs> that <laughs> llama. <laughs> yeah, so reward season the sword is when he kind of realizes that he he's he's like a better person and he he wants the he wants to go back and actually say to John Gomez, you know what, I'm not going to wreck your fucking house and all of here. So then. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 I love it. I love it. The 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 road back then is when he's he's made all the changes. They're still heading back. They have to cross the questionable bridge. What? Oh yes, there we are. And then the resurrection is when they're trying to get the elixir. The they get they turn him back into a human and then return with elixir. I think that explains itself. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're back to the ordinary word. He's back he's back to his human he's form, human, I, I, but he is transformed in himself. He's he's, <laughs> he's a person on the outside, but he's still a llama on the inside, you know what I mean? Mickey <laughs> You can actually write a critical analysis of the Emperor's new groove. How many fucking mm. I'm actually surprised there was a Mulan, which you fucking shout about all the time. I will do Emperor's no, 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 no. Well you have to this, do one, right? This podcast is about six hours long. You're right. Pass me that right, fucking what tablet. What we do? We do something. We do something, mad. Like, no, uh, no I, I've got one in my head. So is it just this diagram here? Right, right. Start, start at one, and then you're working your way around. Right. right so, <laughs> my one's kindergarten cop, right? <laughs> which is but, one of my personal favorite guilty pleasures. It's a classic so, fish out of water uh, story. <laughs> <laughs> fish out of water. And what does he do? Fish out of water. Right now, fuck it, right? Kindergarten Cop. So, the hero's journey in Kindergarten Cop. Ordinary World. I don't know if you remember, but the start of Kindergarten Cop. Arnie Boss on this fucking really stereotypical and drug them and starts blasting that fucker up, boys. Mm. Looking for this perp, etc., etc. Called the adventure. They go, I read you're a murdering bastard, a cop. Why not be a fucking PE teacher or something like that in a primary school? Japanese called the adventure. Kindergarten teacher. Kindergarten teacher. He does PE too. Like it's right. It's right in the name. I believe it's PE as well. 
One, two, three, four. He does when he's, he does when he's walking up through the playground. You sound like a fucking stars, eh? One, two, three, four. <laughs> when, he does, when he's walking up through the playground, he's fucking at that whistle moment, a wee fucking jumper. Yes. One, two, three, four. One, two, three. That's just because he's a maniac. No, he's he's their PE teacher. Like, kindergarten cop encompasses all sorts of rules. Hey, Michael, stop it, Agnard. Michael, I'm saying, when you're a teacher teaching younger people, such as the age of kindergarten, kindergarten is you encompass all the rules yes. so you can't just say he's a PE teacher he's an all over teacher okay fair enough but he does do PE too like. but right <laughs> so PE's physical education refusal of luck call 100% the whole way through that <laughs> detective John he's Kibble just smacking weights <laughs> he's fucked mm. off he's all oh, I'm a cap you with it and shit like that there. And he's, he's getting fucked off with the, mind the Wayne who says to him he's all uh, oh is that a tumor he's like, I don't have a tumor and all that there crack then Meeting a mentor, the mentor is that we fucking ready uh, principal that he's got going on who's keeping an eye on him. She's all like, Oh, you're definitely not a fucking, you're definitely not a teacher. Uh, you must be a cop or something. Oh, he's up. No, with the mentor not be uh, the, the wee boy's mad. She's not really a mentor, she's a love interest. Like the mentors that I'd say that the principal, oh, he's okay. giving him guff. 24-7. Well, his mentor not be his... Mentors who makes or something. But the captain's not on the phone. He's not on his partner. Have you ever seen him? No, his partner would be his mentor. That's not his mentor because they're like equal. See, this is a brilliant thing about this whole theory is that you can... You can decide where, and sometimes actually the better scripts actually split the mentor thing into three, so you get it from three different people. One thing I will say is that That's why I, I say one thing I will say before I continue off my honesty of kindergarten cop, <laughs> but yes. the reason that I don't like stuff like this is because I think that it is too malleable. I think that you can, I you can basically, oh, you can, I know, and this is why I used to hate it, but I actually yeah. really enjoy it. it. It's actually really fun trying to find a film on I it. I do enjoy it as a bit of crack. I don't actually. Believe I'm, I'm the very same because I mean, like, you can look at so many. I mean, it's perfect for Indiana Jones or something, but you know, I'm gonna try and do the fugitive with it, and we'll see what happens. Aye. I mean, like, <laughs> that, but there's films that there's films that definitely, definitely don't follow the structure. But we'll go with it anyway. So then, Kindergarten Cop: The Hero's Journey Part Five, crossing the threshold. Oh yes. Crossing the threshold for me is actually beginning to love and care about the lanes. Yeah, it's definitely number six. Tests, allies, enemies. That's when fucking crisp comes on it. Dirty <laughs> bastard. Chris. Baddest ponytail of the 90s. Ham Anna's bastard. Actually, as mad as the main enemy, as mad as a proper cunt. Potato head from fucking Tang on Kiyosha. Yeah, probably fucking bad ponytail too. <laughs> like, you know <what> I mean? <laughs> Shit was bad. <laughs> right. A grenade in the mouth's not going to get rid of that fucking tail head on him. <laughs> Hero's Journey Part 7, Approach, that's Kimmel going, fuck Crisp and his dirty man's in town. I must, I, must get, I must get stuff together here. I must try and fucking get up out of planet this. Protect me new missus and her Wayne. Protect me fucking Wayne's in the school. Protect me new missus and her Protect me new missus and her Wayne. Whack him off. Whack, not whack him off. Whack, whack. <laughs> not you're, whack him off. Coming out with I'm, I'm, I'm doing some serious for the subside. But anyway, bit the fucking headlam just. Part number eight of the hero's journey, ordeal, death, and rebirth. That's when he gets shot up like fucking the shooters. Oh. Crisp. He's back there, crisp. Then as man comes in over and pops fucking two in on his stomach, he's done for. Then, reward season the sword. You don't realise, but Arnie is in fact not dead. He rises again. The reward is new missus. is fucking mad about him. Absolutely mad about him. <laughs> because he's all like, you saved my life. 
you fucking love my ween. You're a fucking class P3 teacher. Let's fucking do this thing. <laughs> the road back then, I would say, oh no, right there. I, I've come unstuck at number 10 because the road back is him then folding into the kindergarten life. Fucking doing the two times tables, just enjoying it. Yeah, but he learnt something. I know, that's him going back and learning Because he, he knows that something else is going to happen. Aye, but then there's 11 resurrection, but he's already been resurrected. No, but resurrection in the sense that you know it's it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's a it's a rebirth. Of, <laughs> you know what? You know what? I know. We're, just, we're being we're being ten, we're being ten years late, but anyway, we'll just say resurrection. The fact that he's fucking on Schwarzenegger, teaching a bunch of wings, he's having that crack. No, re- no resurrection in that he 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 beats your boy then and. Uh, the the man the Wayne is has a new lease of life. <laughs> In all fairness, number twelve doesn't definitely not make sense. Or sorry, not the, does definitely not make sense. Number twelve return with elixir. Uh, essentially, he, re- he returns from he returns from the death, but he returns from the death and the fact that he's just got like doctors. That that's not elixir. That's just fucking general life. Mm. But either way, kindergarten cop, it fits the structure right up until number ten. Mm. So I mm. think that's a test. Try it now with the fugitive. Aye. I think the thing I'm thinking about this here is it's really funny because Tommy Jones's character and Harrison Ford's are they're nearly the same character. Yeah. Just two sides of that fucking coin. Last and put this way, I just done this structure with a fucking kindergarten cop. If I can do a kindergarten cop, you can do a fucking anything. Well, see, it's very hard because the thing is what we're forgetting is is that it's well, well okay, okay, Harrison Ford tends to just do the hero sort of structure so I'm sure it'll be okay but there's a wild lot of procedural cop things yeah. and this so right we'll, we'll have a go we'll have a wee crack anyway well, I, I just done a film about a fucking Austrian beast taking over a fucking mm. P2 class honestly every single one of Arnie's films will fit in there <laughs> I definitely you know what I mean like, there's a simple structure <laughs> 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 right, go so it doesn't fit the hero's journey I'll do it <laughs> alright anyway. so Arnie world Old Campbell's fucking whacking away at brains with scalpels and all his hair. It's <laughs> good to home one night. We're heading out this fucking... Oh, what the fuck? Somebody's fucking biting a line out of my wife. He's <laughs> all right here. I'm like, fucking bit the shit out of you, boy. <laughs> Whatever. Biting a line out of him all that there and all. And we scuffle and all that shit. And then fucking... Uh, <laughs> right, so we're up the... Call the adventure. I'm like, find this fucking cunt or whatever. Or... <laughs> hold on. Is it though? Or, Aye, or is it the call? I'm gonna find this boy. No, Aye. but the call the adventure. It's actually it's stumbled by the fact that he's been arrested for the crime. Mm. See, I don't know. But I mean. it's certainly the call the adventure is just him being on the fucking run with. Aye, the call the adventure is, the adventure is him escaping. Yes, that is the adventure. That is okay, okay, adventure. okay. Right, I mean, so, well, I suppose it's Aye. it's the call the adventure out of his own world as being arrested. Right, refusal of the call is, I suppose accepting and being taken to prison yes I suppose it is right? meeting a mentor <laughs> 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 meeting a mentor maybe the mentor's himself <laughs> no when when Harrison meeting a mentor in the fucking the famous scene I when Harrison Ford and Tommy Jones meet each men- other not no, quite no, as no, mentor no, no, but no, 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 no no because I think uh, right okay because I think crossing a threshold is I think you know what I'm thinking about when crossing a threshold thing is gone fuck it Right, so meeting a mentor. Dave off his fucking club just. Right, so what's right? Meeting a mentor. Meeting a mentor. Meeting a mentor. See the more you say meeting a mentor, he, when he, it when sounds he more like a fucking phrase for for wanking. Just. <laughs> <laughs> I, we only meet the mentor just. <laughs> when when uh, 
<laughs> well, see, no, he, he see, when, but, when, he's escape, be... when he's escaping from the bus, though, there's somebody he's trying to help away. Mm. Oh, fuck. Well, well, uh, okay, right. So, so okay, okay, right. So that, a sense what Campbell does for this film, right, is criminalize himself, uh-huh. right. So we can hang out one another. <laughs> <laughs> so he's sort of, and it's what he says when he get the keys out. No, and he meets a boy who's a fucking hardened criminal, <laughs> and he's just all, he's all right. Fucking fucking keys, get yourself a fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's on a run, and I. That's the mentor. But see, the meeting of the mentor could actually be. That's why I'm saying because the story this applies very well to a one person trajectory, right? If we're talking about a story, as in a script story, the meeting of the mentor is probably the introduction of Tommy Lee Jones, script wise. Not not necessarily. Ah, yeah. If, if, if them two meet, I think the meeting of the mentor is Tommy Lee Jones. Just him coming on. So the I scene, think right? him coming on the scene is actually the meeting of the mentor, right? I know, I, I, and then them two crossing paths, right? So number five is crossing a threshold. Them two meet in the tunnel. And he says, I didn't kill my wife and Tommy Jones is all... Do I didn't get, kill my wife. Do you think I give a fuck? <laughs> no, <I'm> <laughs> but he said, uh, I don't care. And then Harrison Ford's take a wee fucking leap off a fucking dam. That's such a good one. <laughs> so like, I and, don't uh, care. Right, so it's tests, it's allies, it's enemies. And so he, he meets his old friend who's a doctor, gets a bit of help off him. And he's doing all his bananas. And uh, he meets uh, Julianne Moore and all, and she fucking really mad. She's only enough for a wee minute. Mm. And all's here. Tess Allies. She's won an Oscar for Still Alice. She's one of the greatest actresses of her generation. No, no I know who Julianne Moore is. I'm <laughs> saying, who is she in front <laughs> of you? She literally says, who is Julianne Moore? Man. No, she's, she's the doctor that fucking catches them out. Catches them out, uh, and then... Uh, an absolute dickhead, <laughs> I, I luckily thought you were asking a genuine question. See, the thing about sex is actually probably one of the most important things because it's tests allies, enemies, right? Yeah. And so he meets his friend who he thought was his friend, who's an ally slash enemy. Mm-hmm. He meets Julian Murray, who is an ally. And then approach is sort of find your way through all these allies and enemies, right? And then it's the ordeal, death and rebirth. Mm, where are we going now? Where is this? Okay, so death and rebirth is, I think... Probably when he confronts the doctor mm. and he said, uh, You switched the samples, didn't you? <laughs> you switched the samples after Lentz died. You switched the samples, didn't you? <laughs> you know, remember at that conference then? I love every fucking one I heard about me. <laughs> it's just a bastardization of Jack Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs> that is not know, Harrison no. Ford. That's pure Harrison Ford. No, it needs to be like girlfriend. <laughs> you switched the samples, didn't you? Watch the samples. Watch the samples. Watch the samples. All right. Uh, anyway, all right. Fuck it. And then, uh, <laughs> and the season of Stewart is when uh, fucking the doctor and him, the doctor runs off. He's all, <laughs> I don't switch the samples. I'm trying to switch any samples. He runs off. Season Har- of Swords and Arm Master. Harrison Ford fucking bets after him, and then uh, they kind of well, it's 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 in that fight they kind of discover that your man is probably bad as fuck. So, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Bit an absolute fucking line. Notice, boy, and I left. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, the inspiration for And then, uh, the road back, I think, is okay. 
Jesus, it's very those two are very close to each other, aren't they? They are, right? But I think that's where the fun of the game. I, I love the fact fun of the game. We've just made up this game tonight, <laughs> but the, I the was fun just, of the game. Keep it going. Definitely, we should do this once a week. I say once a week. It's like a fun thing. I like this. But uh, it's all right. So reward season of sword. I think I still bit the fuck out of my left leg. In fairness, he's just bit the fuck out for ages. He just starts enjoying it towards the end. And then right, I think actually. The road back is when Tommy Lee Jones said, uh, he's all, Dr. Richard Kimball, he's all, he borrowed your car on the night of the murder, and all this kind of thing and all, right. and Kimball's just all, fucking, thank fuck, somebody <laughs> fucking figured out that one, chased us fucking confound with fuck fucking Sandy for fucking ages, boys. Was I not Sandy in a court case? Was I not Sandy in a court case? No, no, you wouldn't fucking, no, you wouldn't fucking listen. No, I'm I'm fucking doing twenty. Well, see, be honest, I don't care. I just want to lie down. I don't care. I am gasping. But uh, <laughs> right, and then uh, res. See, I actually think with crime films, it always happens. Like they like squeeze like a like the last wee bit of the act. in. I mean, the third act in crime films tends to be the shortest act. Yeah. You know, your start is very big. Your second act's probably quite over long because you're meeting all these people you yeah. don't trust. The third act is usually, like, it's about 20% of the Just film. So that shit up. I think the resurrection is when Tommy Jones walks out with him at the end of the place. It's, it's, it's the resurrection of, of his life in general. Just resurrection of his life. And it, but his but, but he, has him, he has him handcuffed, right? Yeah. So he walks out with the handcuffs, right? Tommy Lee Jones and I'm betting about thick of Steve's sitting in the back of car <laughs> getting on brand new just <laughs> sitting sit in the back of car anyway right and the final one the return with Elixir is when uh, when they're driving off Elixir Elixir there we go just made up a new word throw it in the columns uh, what do you call it <laughs> is when because uh, he, he walks out handcuffed do you remember when they get in the car uh Tommy Jones puts ice on his hand and all, and he says, let's take these cuffs off and this kind of thing. I think number 12 is the return of Elixir. When Tommy Jones takes the handcuffs off him, puts ice in the hands, whatever, and he says, you all right, and this kind of thing, and he puts his arm around him, and then he says, oh, I thought you didn't care. And I said, I know, but, you know, whatever. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> and they just drive off. That's the return of the Elixir. Yeah. There we go. Lovely stuff. <laughs> okay, and we will move on to recommendation. Oh, baby. Who wants to go first? Uh, I don't really, uh, same as I work, I don't really have one this week, but I'll just recommend someone that I actually watched only a couple of days ago. Spring Breakers. Oh, <laughs> no, it's not Spring Breakers. No. I'll recommend The Spectacular Now. Uh, it's by oh. James Pronzolt, I think that's his name. I also watched Smash this week by him, which is equally excellent, but it's a wee bit kind of uh, more low-key. Uh, essentially, uh, the spe- spectacular now, it is uh, Miles Teller, it is uh, Shailene Woodley. It is sets itself up as your as your kind of general uh, rom-com, you know, a, a young boy meeting a young girl, but it just subverts it in certain ways, and it's just really natural. The chemistry between Miles Teller and Shailene Woodley, and it's no coincidence now that they are two of the most kind of lauder or seen as the most up and coming actor and actresses of their fucking generation they just had it perfectly in that film really natural and it's really affecting as well because it is just it's not a kind of over the top narrative it is about a girl and a boy meeting uh, it's really stripped down and then it's also about uh, Miles Teller's character's uh, kind of problems with his father who he doesn't really know it's a cracking film it's only 90 minutes long definitely give it a watch uh, if, if you're if you're liking uh, sort of kind of uh, 
if you're if you're a fan of, of rom coms and one song a wee bit different, no song that speaks to you a wee bit more, or song that is a wee bit more natural, definitely give it a go. Um, I wanted to recommend stacks of films this week, but just not because I love films. I wanted to recommend not even that. <laughs> no, yeah. I haven't even seen all these films. I just I just like the <laughs> I way that, they recommend shit. I just like the way they sound together. If you like Mark Wahlberg, do do this wee train of films for me. You need to watch Four Brawlers, <sighs> Three Kings, Two Guns, uh... and Lone Survivor. <laughs> That's ridiculously good, my God! It's unreal. Did you do that as a as as a, a Mark Wahlberg numbered omnibus or something? Or? I, I just think if, if <laughs> the, the, the counter the I, I just think if you want to hear the if you want to see the whole spectrum of Mark Wahlberg's career, that's the way you do it. What's your recommendation, Aaron? Um, your recommendation. We're going to go back on the old uh, William Friedkin territory and uh, talk about uh, the old uh, French Connection. Oh. Um, I'm just going to recommend it because you can't recommend enough Friedkin, in my opinion. Not at all. Even though, like you said a couple weeks back, he's literally got about five or six good He's got five good films. Would you say that you are a freak, Ken? <laughs> I, was actually gonna, I actually thought you were going to say a freed fan. <laughs> I thought that would be better. No, it doesn't. So, uh, <laughs> moving freak on. Freak can. Because you're saying freak. I need your opposite. We're on the race here, like so. Oh, <laughs> uh, but I know. Um, as I've always said, I'm a William Freakin, massive fan. Uh, one of the best uh, storytellers. Uh, one of the best visual and dramatic storytellers going. Easy, hands down. And uh, uh, French Connections, no exception there. You know. And, I mean, like it has such a fucking absolute crack. I'm what and. Obviously, we'd like to keep recommendations short, and I'm sure you totally agree. But mm. what I love about French Connection, and it was something we were talking about a few weeks back, with like Big Trouble in Little China, only it's done the more serious tone, is that uh, Popeye, as a Popeye, Popeye Doyle, Pop, Popeye, Popeye Doyle, Doyle, Popeye Doyle by Gene Hackman, is presented as the all knowing kind of detective inspector in that film. And not only is he really flawed, but he really doesn't have a clue. And the the case that he has to take over is completely over his head. I think, and I think it's I, the first time, or one of the first times in American mm-hmm. cinema, that you see a detective who isn't all known and doesn't come to the right Don't conclusion at the end. Tell me, uh, I'm not, but I'm just saying doesn't come to the right uh, conclusion at the uh, end, which is vague enough. Uh, I mean, the best thing about... I, I think one of the best things about... Uh, this film and what really drove me out the uh drove me in drove me in english degree me whole uh <laughs> the best the best thing that i drew me in was uh at the very start it was him and it was uh where schneider at the yep. at, at the bar and uh he, all, all that's happening is uh uh Popeye doyle played by gene hackman is just looking over at this table uh and he's just looking at a couple of these people and he's just saying they don't look right Mm. A couple of these people don't look like they should have that kind of money, or they don't look right, and the entirety of the whole case is just based on this one scene. And never in any other platform have I ever seen uh, a visual telling of what a haunch is. Yeah, that is the best description or best visual telling you of what a haunch is. You know when you talk about Pure haunches, feeling. and it, and the whole case is based on it. And as you're right, he is flawed or whatever, and he wants it too much. Yeah, he's a very he's a bloody ego about him too. 
but and he's a hunger. He's just a hunger for I don't know whether it's justice, or it's just for himself for self gratification. But I, I like the best description of Papa Do. He's like he's like a he's like a puppet off a leash. Is that the fact that he he wants to do well and he wants to impress, mm. but he's too forthright and he dives on there too much, and that mm. is kind of his undoing. And do you not just think that's the way Jude Hatman wants to? <laughs> The, I would say probably the worst looking lead man of all time but anyway yeah <laughs> French connection plus uh, there's a car chasing famous car chasing in it yes. uh, where he's he's driving a fucking lovely Pontiac we're not getting into the cars right here and as much as you want to crowbar this in we're not doing cars we're calm here <laughs> I'm not doing cars what I'm saying right he's beating up this road chasing this train right what happened when they were when they were doing this scene is their budget wasn't massive, mm. so they couldn't actually close down uh, any streets that were coming right and left. They couldn't close these right. streets down, right? So he was fucking charging up after this train at about 7 or 80 miles an hour. It was Gene Hackman driving, beating up this road. What they did was they put letters in people's doors, and they put letters on people's other people's uh, wipers. One boy got in his car, going to work in the morning, pulled out, and there's a crash sequence in it, which isn't a stunt. It happened for real. Fuck off! Aye. The crash in that That's sequence real, is aye. real. That's real. Aye. That is fucked. Fuck. But <laughs> finishing on that. You could do that now, like. Nah, definitely not. Gee, fuck. Okay. <laughs> okay, and we'll wrap it up there. But, but before we do this, we have to announce the winner of our competition. Hey, yay! <laughs> yes. It is trying to uh, connect John Wayne and Macaulay Culkin in the shortest amounts of moves, yeah. connections, Moves. whatever you want to call them. Moves. So we have the pool of the whoever did in the shortest amount, and I've chosen a winner, and the winner is Anna Hastings. Oh, what about you, Anna? I will not. You know what? Congratulations. Congratulations. And Anna is Fair from pretty. Dublin, the capital. I think she's a dubhead. Anna Hastings. You have won two multi-packs of Watson's Crisps. You certainly have. A Let's Talk More Movies pint glass or wine glass, whichever you prefer. Mm-hmm. And a bargain mm-hmm. bucket DVD from Colin Heron's oh, yes. CD CD collection. Oh, yes. And also a Steve McQueen picture with some Steve McQueen facts. Oh, uh, fuck, yeah, that's right. Uh, so, pr- Anna, you Steve have McQueen had some, the uh, fucking sort of Muller load. And uh, oh. oddly enough, we have to do a bit of posting packs in Dublin. We may as well just get a bus to Dublin. We'll just handle over, will we? Hey, you, you just head down there, shall And uh, the only thing is, we'll see if we all come down as like a unison of less talk about movies. We have to go fucking mad. You have to show us a good time around <laughs> the town. Like, you know what I mean? Go show, us show us the signs. Show us the signs. Put this way. If we come down there and I don't end up in the Luffy, it's game over. Like, you know? <laughs> if you can't tell me that James Joyce take a shit here, <laughs> I'll not be happy. Like, I'll not be happy. But no, all joking aside, Anna, congratulations. Congratulations, Anna. And we'll wrap it up here. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to contact us, you can find us on Facebook, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. If you want to contact us on Twitter, you can find us at Talk More Movies or email us, Let's Talk More Movies at gmail.com. You can also uh, leave us comments, reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever music service you like. And Colin Heron is distracting me right now. But this has been episode. 13. 13, I forgot that. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Goodbye. And I hate this bit of Waka Watsits. And I bought a book of DVD.
subject to terms and conditions. <laughs> <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.